What did you say? Well, but a sick dread. What? Well, but a sick dread. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. This is yours truly, the Negus of Nassau, St. Anton Alexander, Lord Jalen Willett, back to you again on another episode of Well, Mother Sick Dread. And I'm coming to you again, you know, another, I try to put out as much content over my various platforms to. You know, give people like little trinkets of enjoyment while we are going through this these chaotic times, these uncertain times where you sometimes just need something to spice up your day, even if it's just whether it be these long form podcasts or little snippets of other things that I do. I think you know, all of these things are essential. Um, as we are trying to go push through these trying times and there's a lot of things going on too much things happening i would say but you know um i think it's my responsibility to not only be entertainment but be education as well and during these trying times um there's a lot of things that is being revealed as we're living in the last days which is aka revelation um, even though we feel like certain things are, are coming to a finality and that may be true but a lot of untruths and myths are being revealed yeah in this grand revelation and that leads me to today's topic and if you clicked on this because you see in the artwork buckle up it's about to get very interesting but before we get into that you know, if you want to sponsor this show, any other shows on the Original People Network, please feel free to email us at the Original People Network at gmail.com or, you know, DM us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all them good places. And we love and thank you for your continued support. Now let's get to today's talking point. So the life and times of Bird Williams. Now, you are now looking at an image of someone that's in blackface. Okay, obviously, it looks like a white guy, but he's he's more, he's, he's a Negro fella. Um, you're, you're gonna ask, Lord, why are you putting this kind of imagery out? Who is this person? Why is he in blackface? And why is this episode entitled what you have it so first i want to say i want to introduce you to the person that we're going to do a little case study on today bert williams or he is more he was you know more formally known as egbert austin williams and why did i choose him 
because I am Bahamian and so is he. Born in Nassau, Bahamas in 1875 and then moved to New York. Then Atlanta, not Atlanta, then California with his family as a boy. You know, some people may say, and I somewhat say, this is the Sidney Poitier story before Sidney Poitier because Bert Williams was, you know, revered as the, one of the great comedians of his time. But let me just give you all a quick rundown of his history. Um, so he abandoned his college study of civil engineering at Stanford. Interesting. To earn a living, he turned to his self-taught musical skills and gift for com- comic mimicry into a lifelong career. So he was a star. He was at Stanford. So that means he was a highly intelligent um, black man. So in 1893, he joined Martin and Salid, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, Mastodon Minstrel Show. Now, for those who don't know what are the minstrel shows, is basically, um, they were the precursor to a lot of your favorite cartoons where um, char- characters portrayed, you know, negative stereotypes of mainly black people and that's where blackface was introduced and you know um for the enjoyment it was like a vague comedy show where a lot of the basis of the comedy was in long and short basically like an episode commentary like you know you was doing a lot of klutzy things and injuring yourself and you know it's a lot of demeaning things but let me actually before I get off that point. Let me give you a proper definition because I rambling on right now. Minstrel show. You know. Well, I you know, I get my sauce from Wikipedia. Was it a, um, the minstrel show was an American form of entertainment developed in the early 19th century. Each show consisted of comic skits, variety acts, dancing, musical performances that depicted people specifically of African descent. Okay. So yeah, so this where blackface was introduced. So we need to really go in too much detail. So they started. So it was soon after the after that he began his partnership with George W. Walker and billing themselves as two real coons. They went on to become one of the most successful comedy comedy teams of their era. By 1903, their partnership elevated from the Vaudeville circuit to Broadway, where their act evolved to full-scale musical comedy. They produced, wrote, and starred in Dahomey 1902, the first black musical comedy to open on Broadway. Uh, Another caveat to this is, if you wanted to be a black comedian in the early 19th century, um, is it the 19th century? In the early 20th century, I should say. In the early 20th century, when um, they were still um, not just racial segregation, but, you know, a high flutant racial discrimination, and it was more in your face. Black comics typically had to perform in blackface. That's why Burt Williams' uh, melanated mind is donning a blackface. Um, I almost finished breaking down history. So Burt Williams continued to play vaude- the vaudeville circuit and record songs from his shows, 
for the fledgling recording industry. Blah, 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 blah. He's considered by some to be one of the finest recording stars of the time. He cut seven titles during his four-year contract with Columbia Records. Yes, Columbia Records existed all the way back in 1903 um, or 04. While most of his recordings are said to have been simple parodies of conventional stage humor of the period, others were more serious songs which showcased his considerable talent. And... He, Bert Williams was, his most famous Vaudeville character was Mr. Nobody, whose sad song would later be sung by everyone from Nina Simone to Johnny Cash. And I don't know, I mean, I don't know, my viewer listenership might be too young, but like, you know, search up Nobody by Nina, Nina Simone. Why are you messing up these people? By Nina Simone, like, you know, and you'd be probably be like, wow, you know, like what he was saying is powerful. Um, I don't have the lyrics right in front of me, but yeah, check it out. Like you know, but as we we cutting into the history, I'm about to get into how you know, even though quote unquote, because I seen some articles write um, Bert as this like pioneer for black society, and he was so successful, but. If you really read into his story, and which I'm about to get into, how, you know, demeaning himself for the riches and trying to be respected by people that didn't respect him, you know, took his toll and cut his life short. But occasionally, um, Williams managed to transcend the racial stereotypes his audience expected of him. But for the most part, he was trapped in degrading in a degrading role all of his life. Off stage, a tall, light-skinned man with poise and dignity. On stage, Williams became a stuffling, inept nigger. Actually, that this what this article says, what I got from Blackface, I think, dot com. And as well as like other sources. He pulled a wig of kinky hair over his head, applied blackface makeup and concealed his hands and gloves. Now, I want to go, like, stop right here. So, he, this is where, like, those early cartoons from Disney and Hanna-Barbera, why you see a lot of cartoons have the the gloves, like Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny and a lot of the early cartoons, why they got the gloves. And then, like, you know, when they, when they get into explosion, like, all the dangerous behavior, when they get exploded, their faces, like, charcoal black so that's the symbolism behind that so like i say this was the precursor for the earlier cartoons that came about after i believe the first world war yeah first world war and the second world war so he put okay usually he wore a shabby suit and a pair of oversized bionic shoes doesn't that sound familiar now let me reread this so he pulled a wig of kinky hair over his head Apply blackface makeup and conceal his hands and gloves. Usually he wore a shabby suit and a pair of oversized battered shoes. That sounds like a clown to me. And actually, this is the precursor to the clown. So even the clowns, where they say, oh, the, the clown look comes from hobos. No, it actually comes with a menstrual show as well. Yes, I'm getting deep here. So I got about to finish up. So Burt Williams was over six feet tall, weighing more than 200 pounds. 
He possessed the wonderful ability, wonderful inept clumsiness when he moved with his big feet or body. Long, graceful hands that express complex emotion. His voice was deep and low and soothing. Like, I guess he had lost his fame and dialect. And like this article goes on, okay, he delivered his lines very slowly, deliberately, as though from the recesses of some dimly private self-regard. When he sang it, it was an imitable syncopation, rhythmic slurs, pauses, and offbeats that kept the songs fresh, freshly individual. He was able to express a human presence behind the black face, even if his humor was usually confined to racial material. Okay. Not getting to the meat and potatoes of this thing. I just trying to give y'all like a whole like backstory, paint the picture. I'm just trying to paint the picture. So, Bert Williams is remembered today not only for his comic gifts, but also a man whose life was a struggle against racial prejudice. The hostility, the hostility he encountered as a black male limited his professional achievement and ultimately also destroyed his chances for personal happiness. Interesting. Despite 20 plus years as one of the most successful and respected stage performers in New York, Williams had never been invited to join the actor's equity. It was thanks to the efforts of W.C. Fields that Williams eventually allowed was it was eventually allowed to join Actors Equity. W.C. Fields once said, Burt Williams was the funniest man I ever saw, but the saddest man I ever knew. And I wonder why he said that. But we're about to get into that. And then bring they bring up an occasion where Eddie Cantor told the story of Burt in a St. Louis bar ordering gin from a bartender reluctant to serve a black man. The bartender frowned at Williams and said, I'll give you gin, but it's a $50 a glass. Without hesitation, Bird took out his wallet and produced a $500 bill. Give me 10 of them, he said. Hmm. Williams could never re- reconcile the, uh, the adulation he received on stage with the Jim Crow treatment he received off stage, and it ate at him. As years went on, Burt began to suffer for, uh, from almost chronic depression. Heavy drinking and insomnia took a toll on his health, but he never missed a performance. Williams continued to work even after contracting pneumonia, finally on Saturday, February 25th, 1922. With both uh, matinee and evening performance to give at the Shubert Theater in Chicago, Williams collapsed halfway through the evening show. Gravely ill, he returned to his home in New York, where he died March 4, 1922, at the age of 47. Unable to realize his highest ambitions, yet able to illuminate a degrading caricature with rare humanity, Burt Williams is regarded as one of the most significant figures in the history of American showbiz. The man, high, the man with a real sense of humor is the man who can put himself in the spectator's place and laugh at his own misfortunes. Interesting. So, we already 15 minutes in. I, I hope I lose y'all already. But now I'm about to get 
into the meat and potatoes of this. So, I can start. And why, the reason why I remember how I even found out about Bert Williams because I was working on this TV show, Where in the World is Wally. Um, the second half of season one is coming back soon to our TV. Yeah, that's lightning in the background. That's how you know it's about to be powerful. But I was told about Bert Williams and, you know, I did some research and I was like, hold on, this guy is Bahamian and he's one of the most recognizable black comedians of his time. Like, you know, even in a wiki, when you search him up, it says Bahamian American comedian. But Bahamians don't really know of him. Um, when I tell people about this person, they be like, what? And I, actually after, like, you know, you listen to the first 15 minutes, I read off. He went to Stanford. He was one of the biggest stars in New York City. Um, even at um, his funeral, they said his funeral took place at a White Lodge, which had never happened before. Um, and it was attended by whites and um, blacks alike. Which I guess people, like, you know, they try to. My only issue, I mean, I could get into that, but like, you know, the shoulder awards and brought up scenarios to where, you know, he was a well off guy, you know, he was a star, but it was like you still wasn't seen as equal. So in my mind, and probably in his too, what does it do a mind to trade the world well to trade your soul for the world I, I know that's not a direct quote but what does it profit a mind to gain the whole world but lose your soul because basically here from researching up on him you was degrading yourself playing negative stereotypes of black people to amuse white people who didn't care about you it got to you. You saw they praise you on stage, but belittle you behind the scene. And then you became an alcoholic and chronically depressed, which sounds like a lot of behemoths, especially during these times that we're in right now. But, you know, historically, um, you know, we could say black people in the whole but like I'm saying I always say I'm behaving so I could talk from the behaving perspective but behaving's people are functioning alcoholics and I gonna throw in another caveat we are functioning alcoholics and when things was things we was putting on little menstrual shows ourselves and you're going to say that, say, Jalen, what you mean by that? But it's like our economy right now, the times that we're in, you know, people, 50% of our workforce is unemployed. Um, people are starving. People are hurting. And a good question would be like, okay, why is so much unemployment and strife and so many things being revealed to how our systems have not 
we're not ever fortified, whether it be um, the financial infrastructure or the diversification of the economy. But like I say, most most of that fifty percent that unemployed was, you know, doing today's like you participate in today's menstrual show, and you know what today's menstrual show is? Tourism. Tourism. Because for my viewers out there, if you're not from not from the Caribbean, you know what tourism is to like people keep on saying and i agree with them tourism today is the new slavery and the reason i, I will die on this other reason why a lot of white people and other groups love coming to places of like the bahamas is because you see the original man and original woman they are very submissive and Roles of servitude. Hotels. All like, you know, the whole market is your brainwashed to say, hey, do whatever you need to serve the guests. You know, certain hotels I've been to, they have a whole apartment was just dedicated for the staff to just dance around and entertain the guests and I'm like bro y'all look like y'all y'all on a plantation which these places are you know on a subconscious level because it's like at the end of the day you don't own it you don't you don't own it you get brainwashed in the system that you always have to feel like you need acceptance from those who don't look at like you you think you get a couple of dollars you think you arrive now and you different i'm not black but i'm oj and even that video um the story of oj ties into the menstrual show what ties into early cartoons but you think because i try to circumvent my circumstances and try to get accepted by the dominant society that things are going to change and that's not so to be honest I'm just telling the truth man and now we we're in a state of affairs where we are finally realizing hey we can't depend on there's a lot of social ills we don't own nothing here in the Bahamas for us melanated people of worldwide we don't own anything um we always suppressed by the dominant society and we feel we're only accepted when we tap dance with butter biscuits but look at Bert Williams his his um with WC Fields is not is a man of a Caucasian persuasion um, listen to what he said. He said, and I quote, Bird Williams was the funniest man I ever saw, but the saddest man I ever knew. Why? Because he was conflicted. It's like, okay, yeah, you cracking up jokes and you playing this, this stereotype. And... 
after you pass, that's when they want to see, oh my goodness. Yes, he is one of the greatest and you always was searching for acceptance, but it's like, fam, you know that was never going to come. Um, it kept you up at night and at the age of 47, you passed away, which is very young because due to depression and alcoholism, no, I can't even pronounce that. Um, abusing alcohol, um, insomnia. You know, you're working hard, trying to gain acceptance, but it wasn't going to give it to. So, my thing is, wouldn't it just been better to just stay down for your people and see how other ways to empower your people instead of cooning? And which we're, I'm seeing a lot of that right now, um, worldwide, especially, yeah, everywhere, even home. And I'm like, I got my eye on a lot of y'all. But, um, yeah. It's like, we gotta understand and look at history, um, you know. We're in the month of August, and in the month of August is a very um, unique time for us original people, you know. Some may believe this is when, you know, something spiritually happens for us. And it's like, you know, an alignment of certain things because, you know, the biggest slave revolts and revolution when it comes to our people all have taken place in August. Whether it was... Um, Haitian Revolution was, I believe, started in August. Hold on. Don't fact check. Let me fact check. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, the Haitian Revolution started in August. You know, the Gabriel Prosser's Rebellion started in August. Nat Turner's Rebellion started in August. March on Washington was in August. The Watts Uprising was in August. The Ferguson Uprising was in August. Like, you know. And now we're, we're in a state where we have systems in which we feel like we have to bend to their will in order to climb the economic and social ladder or purvey messages that suppress who we are but you know make others feel good about themselves and for me for one I'm not for it and I am an apologetic in what I stand for uh, what I believe uh, what I think where we need to progress as a people, not only Bahamians, but um, the whole diaspora worldwide. Because like, like, you know, everybody's worrying, okay, let's say, you know, the world don't end and um, we're not in the last days and everything that that is in Revelation doesn't come to pass after these set of events. I want y'all to know that 
it's going to be similar to what happened in 2008, 2009. Like those who were smarter and most of the time they're of the dominant society. Those who start and save some money. Everything about to be cheap. Everything about to be low. So in times of major crises, this is when the rich get richer. And like you already seen the billionaires just make more money during these times. Now, the set underneath them, that's when, you know, every property going to be low, everything going to be low. And by the time the lower class gets a chance to rebound, it's going to be five years where things are going to spike up again. It's going to be on an uptick. So it's almost like it's going to be the same pricing and things like that before the whole crisis happened. So it's like for you, it is almost like you're just catching back up to what your norm was. For other people, they just leapfrog into a whole different bracket. So, um, but yeah. But I hope I taught you something today. Even though I feel like I just be rambling a lot of times. Um, about dignity. About not saying nothing disparaging about my fellow ancestor Bahamian Word Williams, but let his life be a case study and a lesson to a lot of you. Definitely. If you don't if something is not done what you if you if what you're doing is not within your purpose and you're trying to do it for riches and success you're going to feel very empty throughout your entire life and because you feel like that full that hole inside yourself can't be filled you're going to resort to self-destruction and that's causing you untimely death all I gotta say is we got modest Yeah, this was a good one. One for the books. I got almost three minutes on this. Um, thank you all for listening so much. You know, again, if you feel like you want to advertise, oh, you know, if you have funds, I know it's hard for people to, around these times, but if you want to advertise on any of our platforms here on the Original People Network, Please feel free to email us at the original people network at achievement.com or you know slide in our DMs. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I know this gonna be heavy, and I know the same what you expected when you were clicking on this thing. But I got I had something to say, and I actually continue off off of this episode. Stay tuned for what I'm gonna tackle next. Because just like I said the last time, everything is in, you know, connection with each other. So, peace and love. Yeah, you see. <laughs>